0: you a rhetorical question that I'm not expecting a response to but the question is this do you want more of God now the reality of it is is that probably if I were to sit down or or if I were to actually ask you that question out loud expecting a response there would be many of you who say yeah I want more of God but you're sitting in church you're expected to say that but if we were to actually get down to it, is that truly like what we want? Does that become who we are as individuals? And if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning and, and you say, yes, Jesus, my Savior, and, and maybe you've even gone through the step of baptism. If you haven't, we really encourage you to do that. But I just want to speak to those of you who you recognize that you said yes to Jesus at some point in your life, and my question becomes that even at the stage that you're in right now, do you want more of Him? Maybe you're here, and you haven't given your life to Christ, and somebody invited you, and you're like, man, these people are crazy. They're weird. You're right. We are. But we're weird for a reason, because we've fallen in love with Jesus, and we, we just want something to, we want Him to change us. We want Him to do something in us. We want to become who He created us to be. And, and, and knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for our life, and you have a plan and a purpose, whether you believe that or not, whether you've come to believe that Jesus is truly who he says he is, that God even exists, and, and all those things that kind of go along with a relationship with him, whether you've come to believe that or not, the, the truth this morning is, is that he loves you, he died for you, and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And the, the reality of it is, is that you'll be miserable until you decide to accept that. Just to be really honest, doesn't matter how much money you make, doesn't matter what kind of car you live in, doesn't matter which neighborhood you live in, doesn't matter how many more years you may or may not have left, your life will be miserable until you decide that you're going to surrender your life to Christ. Because rea- And some of that is, is that there may be even some followers of Christ in here this morning who are just going through the motions, and your life could be as miserable too. Until you decide that, yeah, I want to surrender my life. That's the one thing I've been asking the Lord, man, that in one of our prayer times last week, there was seven days of prayer, and I can remember there was one night where I really felt like the Lord said, full surrender. Like, am I, re- am I willing to fully surrender to the things of God? It's like, that's a scary place, because the last time I did that, He moved me from New York to North Carolina <laughs> to plant a church, and He put me in a place that I really didn't want to be. And leading a church that I really didn't want to, that I really didn't want to be, and then he decided, okay, well that's pretty good, but now I'm going to grow you, and now I'm going to give you more people, and and, and this church is going to grow exponentially, and then you're gonna then you're gonna be put into a building project, and I'm calling you to this place because I have God, I have so much more, God, Chris, I have so much more for you. And I had to come to that place where I fully surrendered. To like, okay, God, whatever it is. And I'm in that place today where I'm in full surrender. Like, whatever it is, God, that you want for me, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to do, I'm willing to say, even if people don't like it. Like, wow, Pastor Chris came to church mad this morning. Man, the calling that we've been given as a church Man, it's too important. I typically do a message like this about three times a year, and and I think probably most of the time it's I feel like it's one of those messages where it just kind of gets up in your in your grill a little bit, it gets up in my grill a little bit. It reminds me of what we're here for and what what God has purposed us for. So if you're here and this is your first time at Crosswinds Church, you're hearing a little bit of the heartbeat and the vision, kind of opening a little bit of a window or a little bit of a door to help you see, man, this is who Crosswinds is and this is what we want to be about. We don't do it perfectly. Just to be honest with you, there's no perfect church. And if you find one, you probably shouldn't go there because you'll make it imperfect. (laughs) You're sitting in a room with broken people that many of us are just trying to figure out how do we follow Jesus the best that we possibly can. How can we fully surrender to the things that God has for us? So we're looking at a passage in Matthew chapter six. We were in, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we were doing a prayer series, kind of took a break from that prayer series to do this uh, vision message. Um, It's really interesting because the passage in Matthew chapter six actually speaks to praying to Jesus, praying to God for something. And so we'll talk about that in just a moment. I had a I had an incredible experience a few years back. It's probably been, gosh, I don't know, even know how many years ago it was, but I had the privilege through a, uh, a set of circumstances to go to Billy Graham's house. How many people know Billy Graham? Right, and the rest of you don't know Billy Graham. Like all the young kids are like, who's that? See a basketball player. Billy Graham was his—go uh, Google him, okay? You'll find out if you Google him. Now, he's an incredible evangelist, spoke to uh, millions of people, would fill stadiums all over the world, and, and uh, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people, came to Christ as a result of his ministry. And, and so, through a set of circumstances, I was able to go to his house, and um, it, it's, a really, it's a really long, weird story, but um, Ashley's grandmother was uh, taking some Blackberry Cobbler. We were going to visit the Grams and, uh, through some family connections, and they decided that they were going to give the Blackberry Cobbler to me. And so they handed me the blackberry cobbler, and we got into the car. And, um, and his driveway goes like this up the mountain, and his house sits up on the mountain. And so when we got up there, um, I got out of the car, and all the blackberry cobbler juice had dripped all over my pants. <laughs> okay, it was on my shirt, it's on my sweater, it's on my pants. Um, and, and so I get out, and they take the, it was probably the first time Ashley's grandmother ever got mad at me. I get out, and I go walking in, and literally I walked right into his house, and the first thing I remember is this blackberry cobbler dripping off my sweater and onto his carpet. I'm like, oh man, great first impression. And, and so, we go, we go walking in, and I'm, we walk into this little kind of um, whatever area, and then we walk into the dining room, and I'm standing in the dining room, and one of his family members comes in, and he, he grabs the bottom of my sweater. I had a shirt on underneath, it and he pulls my sweater off. And I'm like, what are you? He's like, we're going to get you something because we don't want you to have to sit in this for the rest of your time here. So, he takes my sweater off and he's like, we're going to put in some cold water and we're just going to make sure we don't want it to stain. So, he takes that away and then he comes back and he grabs my t-shirt. He pulls my t-shirt off. <laughs> I'm, literally, I'm standing right here in Billy Graham's dining room and Billy's sitting right over there. Fortunately, he didn't come grab my pants and take my pants off. But literally, I'm, I'm sitting like it was—it was like a dining room, and then there was a living room, and he was sitting over there in the in a chair that the Queen of England had given him. I mean, all these families around me, people are walking in and out, and I'm like going, "What am I doing?" Like. And so they run it they they go upstairs and they come back down and they hand me this shirt it's kind of like a a blue kind of you know cowboy look it's got buttons and I'm like man I'm not, do I look like a cowboy Right, and they hand me this blue cowboy shirt, and then they bring me a jacket, and and this kind of thing, and and you know, so we go throughout the we go throughout the afternoon there, and we're sitting around, we're talking, you know, doing some kind of stuff, and at the end of the st- end of our time together, um, the, the everybody circles up, and Billy takes some time to pray over us, and I'm just like, what? Like, I, I mean, I had forgotten all about that. I was standing with like no shirt on at one point. And Billy, Billy, like we're first name bases, he begins to to pray for us. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, I'm just enamored, you know, thinking about all this man has done. God, um, like I want to be like that. And it's like he said to me, that's not who I've called you to be. And I thought about the difference that I wanted my life to make because I was young in ministry at the time. I'm like, oh, he's like, I, and I can remember at times thinking, man, I'll never be like that. And Jesus saying, that's not who I want you to be. I want you to be you. I want you to be who I've called you to be. You see, because you put your pants on the same way that Billy Graham puts his pants on. And you put your shirt on, although they came in and took, took my shirt. You put your shirt on the same way. But you know what Billy Graham did do? Is that he came to a place of full surrender in his life where he was going to trust God with his whole life. We circled up and prayed. And just before we left, we, Ashley and I walked over to, he was sitting in this chair. We walked over just to say, hey, thank you for having us. Thank you for praying, praying, you know, in this situation and just really appreciate it and I said hey um I'll I'll make sure that you because what come to find out they had gone up into Billy's closet and got a shirt out of Billy's closet literally and he he was like uh he's like it's okay you can keep it but just know that Johnny Cash gave me that shirt I have that shirt hanging in my closet in a plastic bag, never worn again. And they gave me a jacket, and it's like this satin kind of like uh, old Dodgers jacket. It says Baptist on the front in front of it, which I don't like. I'm not really Baptist. So. And, and, and engraved on it. It's okay to be Baptist, okay? I'm not picking on you. But it has engraved on it, Billy Graham. And I've got that hanging in my thing. But it was just a reminder to... It was just a reminder to me. It was truly a reminder to me. that I, You don't have to be like Him, you just have to be you. And that's what I want the reminder for us this morning is this, is that my life can make a difference. Your life is meant to make a difference. Your life is meant to make a difference for Jesus. Your life is meant to make a difference to someone else for eternity. And what you can't do for many, you can do for one. So regardless of whether you have opportunities to influence and impact multiple people in your life, there will be people that if you will fully surrender to the Lord, there will be people in your life that God will put in your life that you will have the opportunity to impact. You may not lead them to Christ, but you can still be Jesus to them. So, your life can make a difference. So, I have two passages I want to give you this morning as we talk about this mission that God's called us to, this vision that God's called us to as a church. One is found in Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus talks about the harvest field. And then the other one is found in John chapter 6, which is another story of the feeding of the 5,000. Both of these are fairly, probably fairly familiar passages. If you've grown up in church or been connected to reading the Bible at at all, you've probably read these passages passages before, and there won't be anything new, but I just want to challenge you to what it is that God is saying to you this morning as He's asking every single one of us to fully surrender to Him. In John chapter 9, or Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. What I was really, as I was reading through this passage, I always ask the Lord to like, show me something, God, out of this passage that you want me to see. And the one thing that I was reminded, of, I felt like God kind of put like blinking lights was this. It says, when he saw the crowd, like when he saw the crowd, it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And so what we know to be true is that what God has placed us as individuals and as a church is not to just come and go through the motions and sing some really cool songs on a Sunday morning and 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 just spend our time together on a Sunday morning but knowing that there's something bigger that God has called us to that when we walk out of these doors that he's given something to us to give to other people whatever it may be the gifts the talents the treasures that he's given us he's given us a purpose, not to just go through the motions. He didn't create us just to get up in the morning and brush our teeth and eat eat breakfast and drink a cup of coffee and go to work and then come home and, and watch a little TV and eat a little dinner and then get in the bed and then wake up the next morning and do the exact same thing and then do the exact same thing and then do the exact same thing for 80 years. But he's given us a purpose. He's given us a reason for living. I I I told this not too long ago, that just a couple of weeks ago, there was something that I really struggled with, was that there there was an individual who we are somewhat connected to the situation, but at 31, this person decided to take their own life. But that's happening every single day. That people are deciding in our, in our community that they just don't want to live anymore because they have no pur- they have no sense of purpose. They have no sense of belonging. And if there's anything, that the church should rise up to the occasion of, of seeing the crowds. Because we walk into Walmart every single day unless you order your groceries online. <laughs> right? We're, we're doing everything we possibly can to not have to be around people as a society. And it's really interesting because I remember them saying that Generation Z is one of the most connected generations, but they're most disconnected relationally because they connect online, but they have no relationships with each other. And what's happening in our culture is we're disconnecting ourselves instead of doing what Jesus said to me, seeing the crowd. You're like, hey, Pastor Chris, when I go into Walmart, I just want to go in and get my stuff and get out. I do too. But what if God has something different for us in that moment, and we actually fail to see the crowd? I know you can order your groceries online every single day, but my encouragement to, to you to you would be, how are you seeing the crowd? Do you see the crowd when you go to work? Do you see the crowd when you walk your neighborhood? Do you see the crowd when you go out to dinner, or are you just ticked off because your waitress took too long and she's not paying attention to what's going on? Do we see the crowd? Jesus saw the crowd, and he said, man, I have compassion on them. And then he told his disciples, hey, guys, come here, come here, come here. I can see him like circling them up. Hey, guys, come here, come in here just a minute, just real quick, come here. Hey, guys. Um, Listen, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Hey guys, there's only 12 of you right now, but what I'm going to do in you and through you, I'm going to multiply and it's going to make a difference. And because the disciples fully surrendered and believed Jesus in that moment, the world received the message about Jesus. And so, here's the challenge to us this morning. One is say yes to Jesus. If we're going to reach the harvest, first we have to say yes to Jesus. And so, I have to start by asking you, have you said yes to Jesus? If you are not in relationship with Jesus this morning, what He's calling you into is He's calling you into a relationship. This is not about religion. Religion says you show up and go through your motions. This is about a relationship that Jesus wants us to fully surrender to him and do what he actually asks us to do. And so are we saying yes to Jesus? So if you've never given your life to Christ, maybe this morning you need to consider what it is that God's trying to get your attention, that he desires a relationship with you and that he wants to say yes to you. Or maybe you just need to say yes to Him and fully surrender. If you've already given your life to Christ, then maybe it's just fully surrendering Him, saying, okay, God, whatever. Is that a dangerous place? Absolutely. It's a dangerous place. Many of you are retired. And my question to you would be, if the Lord showed up to you and said, sell your house and go do something else, would you do it? What if he said, hey, I want you to give your car away. Well, well Jesus, it's the only car I got. Okay. Are you willing to do that? What if he tells you to sell your house? What if he tells you to give your car away? What if he tells you that you're at the gas station? And he says, hey, that person on the other side, you probably should pay for there. You're like, well, Jesus, I don't have enough money. If I pay for that, then I won't be able to pay my bills at the end of the month. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to be obedient, fully surrendered to the thing the Lord asks you to do. But I believe that the church so often, and people in the church, we kinda come, go through the motions, but we want Jesus to do great, good things for us, but just don't impact. (laughs) Don't impact my everyday life, Jesus. Don't ask me to do things that are uncomfortable and not easy. And all he says is I want you to say yes to me. The second thing I believe that if we're gonna reach the harvest is that we all have to be, if we have already given our life to Christ, we have to all be growing in our own relationship with Jesus. That means I'm encouraging you this morning. What is your next step in growing in relationship with Jesus? Don't just come and sit and go through the motions on a Sunday morning. That's only a small part of your growing in relationship with Jesus. Because if this is the only time that you're actually getting into the word or hearing the word or listening to the word, then you're totally missing out on all that God has for you. It'd be like showing if you're married. It'd be like showing up for your wife only one day a week and spending an hour with her and then going home going back to whatever you were doing that's not a marriage I won't tell you what it is but take the next step and grow in your relationship with Christ. And my other thing is would be this, in growing your, in your own relationship with Christ, you have to take personal responsibility because I think what's happened in the church for too long is we'd like, oh, um, I'll go to church and they expected the church to help, to... For, They came to Sunday morning expecting Sunday morning to be their time to grow. And I've heard this said often, oh, well, we left that church because the pastor never, he, I didn't get anything out of his sermon. My first question is, were you actually listening? Now I realize that there are some churches that you go sit in, that the Holy Spirit is not there and the pastor is just going through his motions. And so I totally get it. But take your own growth personal. The next thing is this share what God's doing. Share what God's doing. You're like, and I've heard this said before too well, my relationship with God uh, is private. No, your relationship with God is personal, it's not private. Otherwise, God wouldn't have said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as He was, as Jesus was ascending to heaven, he would never said to the disciples, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and Leland and Brunswick County and all these places. He says, No, you're going to be my witnesses. And so it becomes a responsibility that God's putting on us that as we're growing in relationship with him, that when we go out into the marketplace, when we're in our neighborhood, when we're in our home, when we're in Walmart, or wherever it is, we're in tune with the Holy Spirit and what God is saying to us and saying, God, is there someone in this place that you want me to say something to today? Because I'm going to take it personal, but it's not going to be private. There's only one way for us to continue to reach the world around us. You see, God didn't just call us to be this nice little, oh, let's get together and let's sing our songs and sing Kumbaya and feel really good about each other. He didn't call us to a campfire sing along. He called us to make a difference. He called us to to reach, reach this town, right? It's too small of a vision to say, oh man, let's just see how many people we can get in here and put in seats. It's too small of a vision. No, the vision is actually this, how can we take this city for Jesus? How can we, how can we leave this place on a Sunday morning and be so excited about what Jesus is doing, and, and actually, how can we get so involved in our own personal relationship on a, on a Monday morning, because I've been sitting down, I've been reading my Bible, and I've been praying, I'm so excited, man, I'm ready to go do something. When's that ever happened on a, on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, or you just get together and you read your Bible, and you're like, oh, that was good. Wow, that was awesome. I promise I'm not mad this morning. (laughs) I just don't want us to go through the motions. I want us to take it personal. Take the responsibility of sharing Christ with others personal. Realize it's not private. The last thing is serve others in some capacity. If we're fully surrendered to the Lord, then what he's going to do is he's going to show you how he can take your life and he can use it to impact the lives of others. So how are you serving? Have you found a place here to serve? Maybe it's not serving here and I, that's totally okay. I totally get that. Maybe you don't want to come here on a Sunday morning and you don't, you don't, you don't want to serve. But my question would be, then how are you serving there's seven or eight, nine different ways you could serve it. Here on a Sunday morning, you could serve at Lifeline. they Lifeline Pregnancy Center. They're constantly looking for volunteers there. You could serve through FCA, which are some of our partnership ministries. You could serve at Mana Ministries once a month. You could we're creating a partnership with Habitat for, hum, for Humanity, and you could serve there. There's plenty of ways to find that you can take the gifts and the abilities that God has given you and you can serve others with those gifts. But most of you probably say, well, I don't have time, right? I don't have time. (laughs) Well, just know that one day you'll stand before God and you'll say, sorry, God, I didn't have time. How does that make you feel? I didn't have time to do this. I didn't have time to share my faith. I didn't have time to set aside to read my Bible and do the things I needed to do to grow in my relationship with you. We can't just sit here and merely merely listen to the word and so so deceive ourselves. We have to do what it says. So I want to wrap it up with another passage. Actually, let me tell you a story. So, and then I'll get to that passage in John chapter six. There was, there was a guy. A recent uh, uh, there's a discipleship group that's starting in a couple of weeks with a bunch of with some guys. And I I texted this one guy and said, Hey hey man, do you want to be a part of this discipleship group? Uh, this, this guy didn't really grow up in church and hasn't, you know, gave his life to Christ when he was a teenager, but really hasn't grown in his relationship. Um, You know, hasn't been in a place to be able to grow like that. And just over the course of the last couple of years, just really seen him growing and really felt like this would be a really good next step for him. And so just encouraged him, hey, we're starting this group and would like for you to be a part of that. And he said, hey, let me take some time, pray about it, and, and and I'll get back to you. And uh, he, he texted me back a day or two or he called me a day or so later and he said, these were his words out of his mouth. He said, I'm ready to be a disciple. I said, I turned to Ashley and I said, in 26 years of being a pastor, I've never had one person tell me I'm ready to be a disciple. And I told the staff, I said, that's our new goal. We want people to call us or contact us and say, I want to be a disciple. What does that mean? It means I want to be like Jesus. It means I want to follow Jesus. I want to do the things that he asked me to. I want to say yes to him. I want to grow in my relationship with him. I want to share my faith with other people. I want to serve other people. I want to do what Jesus wants me to be. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a disciple. Are you ready to be a disciple? Because the disciples, Jesus came to this and said, hey guys, okay, come and follow me. I want you to forget everything that you've ever done. I want you to come and follow me. And they dropped everything. They went and followed Jesus. They were fully surrendered. Now, I'm not saying that you got to go home and quit your job today. But what if God is telling you to quit your job? Will you trust in what's on the other side? Because that didn't make sense in those moments. To so look at John chapter 6. I want to kind of start to wrap it up with this. This is the feeding of the 5,000. Says uh, John chapter 6 verse 1. It says sometime after this Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and he sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. And when Jesus looked up and he saw the the great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat. Now, some of the other uh, in in the book of Matthew, the disciples came to Jesus and actually said, hey, Jesus, we need to send these people away because we can't feed them. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. They're like, well, we don't have anything. And in this, it actually talks about where Jesus has this conversation with Philip and says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? It says he asked, he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Isn't that awesome? Here's what you need to know. When you don't know what's on the other side, he already does. He already knows what he intends to do. Said so Philip, answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up, Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. They stole this boy's lunch. <laughs> but how far will that go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, which means there was women and children too. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed it to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Leave, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and, fu- and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And here's what you're like, what's this passage got to do? My first question is this, are you willing to give Jesus your lunch? Are you willing to give Jesus your lunch? Will you trust him with your lunch? The boy didn't have anything else but what he had. He said, okay, because I, I kind of think the disciples went and said, hey, buddy, can we have your lunch? I don't think they stole it. <laughs> Come on, give me that. Jesus needs to get out of here. They're I'm like, hey, buddy, you know, you got something to eat. All these people, can you imagine being that little boy? Hey, buddy, um, can we borrow your lunch? Like, what for? We're going to feed all these people. He's like, yes, yeah, you're here. Sure you are. will you give Jesus your lunch will you use what you've been given and then will you trust God to multiply it to make a difference you guys can come back out one of our retired pastors shared a great illustration with me this past week and as I was processing think I was like man that's going to work perfect that's going to be awesome I want you to imagine for just a moment that every single day in your bank account someone deposited not me but someone deposited $86,400 every single day imagine with me for just a moment $86,000. You look at your bank account the beginning day and every single day $86,400 deposited in your account. I know most of you would be like, huh? What do I do with that? But here's the reality is that you cannot carry anything over to the next day. You have to do something with what you've been given. You see, you can't carry over the balance from day to day and it deletes whatever remains. What would you do? Well, a smart person would draw out every cent, right? you go in, draw out every cent. Draw out what remains. But here's what we know to be true. We all have such a bank, and that bank's called time. And every single day, Every morning we get up, we're given 86,400 seconds to do something with. You can't carry forward a balance to the next day. We don't even know if we're promised the next day. There's no balance, there's no overdraft. We can live only on today's balance. What will you do with what you've been given? Jesus said the harvest, it's plentiful, but the workers, there's only a few of them. It's quite frequently within the church is that there's 20% of the people who do 80% of the work. And I wanna challenge you this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you serve here or not. If you serve here, thank you so much. If you're still looking for a church home, I get it. Try and figure it out. Find the right place that's best for you, but a place that you will fully surrender to Jesus, a place that you can serve, a place that you can give back because of what He's done for you. You see, we don't serve because it's the right thing to do. We don't serve because we want to feel good about ourselves. We serve because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, and that becomes such a passion for us that we want other people to know about it. Do not merely just listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Let's pray. God, I thank you. God, first I thank you just for being you. And I thank you that You created us with a purpose. God, that you let us be a part of what you're doing. And God, I just, I pray that you would help all of us that are here this morning to come to this place of fully surrendering to you, saying, God, whatever it is that you want, I'm willing to do. God, this morning, I wanna say yes to you. I want to say yes to you. I want to sit. I want to listen. I want you to tell me what to do. And then, God, I want to respond to it. There are too many people in our world who are dying and going to hell. And we need to take the responsibility of fully surrendering to God and saying, God, would you use my life to impact others. God, we just give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me for just a moment? We're going to sing this song kind of to wrap things up. We've put some cards on the prayer walls on either side of the sanctuary and on that just has the vision of the church, that we're an authentic community, that Um, wants to live by faith and we want to love our neighbors and we want to we want to be generous and uh, we want to do the things that God asks us to do we want to fulfill that mission of preaching the word and making disciples and and caring for others and during this time if you'd like I'd like to give you the opportunity to come forward and just take one of those cards and allow it to be just a prayer reminder this week to what we're called to as a church to not just go through the motions, but to make a difference in the lives of people around us. And then at the end of our time singing, our prayer team will come up and we'll give you guys the opportunity to come forward and be prayed for. But let's sing together.